Genesis 1, uh, starting at verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Who am I? It's a question that people have asked throughout the ages. Uh, poets have written about it, philosophers have talked about it, artists, musicians, um, psychologists, politicians have all tried to answer uh, the question of identity. And it's just as big today, isn't it? People clamour to define themselves, um, particularly in the areas of sexuality or gender, with male, female non-binary, gay, straight, trans, we're a person of colour, a person of privilege. Um, people might do it in their social media profiles. Um, we choose how we want to define ourselves to the world. I'm going to give you um, some Twitter bios now, and um, you can have a little guess, see if you can guess um, who they are. But this is the, the little kind of strap line that people put um, under their profile. So uh, an easy one to start off with. Autistic climate justice activist, born at 325 ppm. <laughs> Any ideas? <laughs> yeah, I had to Google what um, 375 ppm meant. Apparently, it's the concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So that's what it was in the month that she was born. Um, okay, next one. Um, this is a bit trickier. Live every day as if, uh, as if it's your last, because one day you will be right. So who do we think that's for? <coughs> Any guesses? It's Piers Morgan. I mean, who would have guessed that? Piers Morgan. Um, okay, another one for you. Living, loving, and working to help you. Um, it's Serena Williams. Yeah, that was quite a surprise to me. Serena Williams, you know, tennis player, American tennis player. Um, so, so here's another one for you, Rachel, because Andy Murray just simply put, I play tennis. So that one's yeah, so that one's a little bit easier um, to go for. Um, we, we usually define ourselves by what we think is important. I wonder how you would define yourself. Um, I might say something like, 
I'm Patasha, I'm 45, I'm a wife, a mother, um, I love Jesus, I work for a church, um, I like playing sports, I love art. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about who we are, um, and we're not going to be able to look at everything that it says this morning. Um, I don't know if you remember, for those of you that were on the Women's 24 Hours Away, Lizzie very helpfully um, took us to One Peter, where we saw that we were wealthy weirdos. Um, we've got so much as redeemed children of God. Um, with a living hope, but we will be like strangers in this world. Well, this morning we're going to look at the end of the creation story in Genesis 1 and 2 to see what God says about the humans that he created, who we are and why we're here. We're going to think about our identity, our purpose and our goal in life. Um, So first then, our identity, we're made in God's image. Um, Take a look down at the verses that Katie just read. Um, You'll see in verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps along the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God said, let us make man in our image. Um, Now, if you're familiar with the creation story, you'll remember that we get the same refrain in the first six days of creation. So this is why we have those verses printed on the front of the sheet. You might want to just flick over and have a look. Um, So, for example, day one says, and God says, let there be light. And then there was light, and God saw that the light was good. And God often then names the things he's made. So, for example, he calls the light day, and the darkness he calls night. And then we get another repeated refrain. There was evening, there was morning, the first day. And we have this pattern through the first five days of creation. You'll see down there, day one, let there be light. Day two, let there be an expanse to separate the waters. Day three, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear, let the earth sprout vegetation. Day four, let there be light in the expanse of the heavens, and day five, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Now the verses that we read are halfway through day six. So God's just made the animals, and we've had the familiar phrase, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their time, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. Well, here in our verses, we don't get, let there be, or let the earth. We get, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Us, and in our image. So it's not just the image of God the Father, it's the image of the triune God. Tri, three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're told in Genesis 2, um, sorry, chapter 1, verse 2 of Genesis, that the Spirit of God was present. Um, and elsewhere in the Bible, in Colossians and John, for example, we're reminded that God the Son, who came to earth in the person of Jesus, didn't just appear about 1 AD, that God the Son existed before the beginning of time. He was involved in creation. Now, it's worth saying here that mankind, or man just means mankind or humankind, and so all humans, therefore, are made in the triune God's image, his likeness. Animals were not made in the likeness of God. Um, there is something about humans that is special because we are in the image of God. Just ponder for a moment how amazing that is, that the triune created God, 
who spoke and things came into being, who created all the wonderful things that we see around us day by day, he chose to make us as an echo, a reflection of him. Now, obviously, we're not a perfect reflection. That's why we need Jesus. Uh, We're more of a distorted one, a bit like you might see in the ripples of a pond. Um, But when we look around at each other, we see a tiny (coughs) reflection of God. Have you ever thought of yourself that way? Next time we feel rubbish about our reflection in the mirror, or our performance at work, or our abilities as parents, just remember that we are made in the image of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But it's also a huge responsibility. Now I think there are a few ways that the Bible tells us that we reflect God and his character. Um, And we'll think a little bit about how the jobs that he gives us um, reflect him in a moment. But here in verses 26 and 27, we see something of the relational nature by which we reflect God. God is relational within the Godhead, and he's created us as relational beings too. Adam and Eve have a relationship with each other and with God, um, which we'll come back to when we think about our purpose and our goal. Being made in the image of God tells us that every human being matters. Um, Now, obviously, some people disagree with that. Um, Professor Stephen Hawking, um, who was a professor of cosmology at Cambridge University, says this, or said this, The human race is just a chemical scum on a moderate-sized planet orbiting around a very average star in the outer suburb of one among a hundred billion galaxies. Chemical scum. (laughs) How wrong could he have been? Um, incidentally, his successor, a guy called, um, his successor to the chair of cosmology at Cambridge University, a guy called um, Stephen, uh, sorry, Paul Sellard, um, he is convinced that there is a creator God and a Christian. The Bible says that we matter, that we are precious. We're made in God's image, every single one of us. Um, and the way that we live confirms that, doesn't it? We only need to look at um, the way that people responded to the Queen's death um, to see that we Um, I lived in Oxford at one point and I played sport with a guy that um, was doing a PhD in some sciencey thing at the university, I can't quite remember what, Um, and he just believed that we were chemical matter. Um, And I remember chatting to him once and kind of pushing him on what that meant Um, and kind of saying to him, basically, if we're all chemical matter, doesn't that mean that I can just kill you and that would be taking time? Um, To which he (coughs) conceded that he didn't live his beliefs out to a logical conclusion. Um, We believe we matter, we act like we matter, and that's because we do matter. Um, We're made in the image of God. So that means that human life is precious. It's far more precious than animals. And so while we may care about animal welfare, we should care infinitely more about the welfare of humans. Every human life, however worthless or disposable society may think it is, is precious in God's eyes. Every human life is made in God's image. Um, And that has implications for how we view others, which we won't have time to exhaust now. Um, but all the isms should disappear, shouldn't they? So racism, ageism, sexism, sexism. If all human life is precious in God's eyes, should not exist. It should also affect the way that we think about the beginning and end of life. All humans are made in God's image. And God made them male and female. Do you see that in verse 27? 
distinct from each other. So that has implications for the redefinition of gender that we see in society today. Where we find our identity will probably depend on what we value. So maybe it's work, um, or how we look, keeping up with the latest trends. Maybe it's our home, or the appearance of having everything together. Or maybe we find our identity in our children and their successes and failures. A helpful way to expose where we find our identity might be to ask ourselves, what would I be most sad about if God took it away? So um, we've seen that humans, or hopefully we've seen, um, that humans are made in God's image. Um, and now we're going to see something of the job that humans were given to do. Uh, so secondly, to be on your handouts, our purpose, we're made to be fruitful and rule. Or if you want something a little bit more catchy, um, to fill and to form. Um, so do you see, look down at verses 28 um, to 30, I'll just read those again for us. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Mankind is to fill the earth and subdue it. So God is handing over some of his rule to mankind. And um, just flip back over to the big um, creation story. You'll see there in verse 2 that there's a problem. Um, the, it says uh, the earth was without form and void in verse 2. <coughs> so God gave it form, which we see in the first three days of creation, as he fashions the sky, the sea, and the land. And then he fills it in the second lot of three days, so days four to six. Day four, he fills the sky with the sun, moon, and stars. Day five, he fills the sea with creatures. And day six, he fills the land with animals and humans. And then God hands it over to humankind to continue the job of giving it form and ruling it, subduing it, and the job of filling it um, by procreation. So in addition to the relational aspects of God's character, this is another way um, we are in the image of God. We are to fill and form the earth as he did at creation. When the Queen died last year, it would have been announced, the Queen is dead, long live the King. There's never a point when the throne is empty, as it were. Um, But imagine if the Queen were really ill before she had died. Um, She might employ a vice-regent, probably Charles, to rule in her place. A bit like Dominic Raab did when Boris Johnson was hospitalised with COVID. Um, The vice-regent's job is to rule, to reign, as the king would. Well, we're God's vice-regents. God is not unwell, he is fully reigning. Um, But at creation, he handed over some of that responsibility to mankind to rule over the earth. And that is a remarkable privilege, isn't it? But it's also a huge responsibility. Now, we're not Joe Biden or Rishi Sunak, um, but we will have authority in some area of our lives, even if it's just an area of our home or work. So it's worth asking ourselves if we're ruling that area in a way that reflects God's character. And God also tells the humans to fill the earth. The current population is 8 billion, and that's so big that I can't quite get my head around it. Um, but I think humans have done their job. The earth is pretty full. But in the New Testament, Jesus seems to take the emphasis away from filling creation 
and to put it on filling the new creation, what we might call heaven. Um, we see that rather than physical children, the focus is now on spiritual children, who can obviously be our physical children as well. Jesus says in Matthew 28 verse 19 when he speaks to his disciples, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And as we see that happen in the New Testament, the authors frequently use creation language of bearing fruit, growing, multiplying, and number, um, in places like Acts and Colossians 1. And I think that's deliberate. The use of creation language is deliberate to show us that the emphasis is now on telling people about Jesus so that more people can build a new creation. Um, I don't know if you made New Year's resolutions earlier this month. Social media is utterly jam-packed, isn't it, with motivational slogans or programmes or devices that promise to keep us on track to achieve our goals. Um, I know at least one person doing Dry January, one person doing Veganuary. Um, one friend of mine is doing a six-week no-sugar plan, which I couldn't possibly take with. Um, one lady I know at Smallgate has um, started seeing a life coach who has helped her to identify her three most important values so she can be more authentic to herself. So we're constantly being fed the lie that our purpose is to be the best version of ourselves, live our truth, be authentically us. But that is not our purpose. Humans were put on this earth to rule over it as God would, being responsible with it, using it for our enjoyment and filling it, which as we now see primarily means filling the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. Now God gave other bits of creation instructions, like the sun and the moon and the vegetation, but again, with, with um, humans, there's something different. Do you remember we talked about that repeated refrain, God saw that it was good? Well, have a look down at verse 31. There's a very similar refrain at the end of each day, but what is, what is different about um, day six? God saw that it was very good. With the, man- the addition of mankind, God's creation is not just good, it's very good. So mankind is the pinnacle, the high point of creation. Um, I started off by just saying I might describe myself as Natasha, um, age 45, wife, mum, church worker, netball player, art lover. Um, I'm not sure it would go down so well if I said, I'm Natasha, I'm made in the image of God. Um, But actually that's a much greater description of who I am. Mankind is the pinnacle, the high point of creation. But mankind is not the goal of creation. Our identity is that we're made in God's image. Our purpose is that we're to be fruitful and to fill and form the earth. Now we're going to think about that our goal. And our goal is relationship with God. So our goal, we're made for relationship with God. After day six, um, creation was finished. And what did God do? He rested. Now, I don't think that rest means um, putting your feet up and scrolling Netflix. Um, God was still at work sustaining creation. But do you see in verse two of chapter two, God rested from all the work that he had done. Creation was over. The pinnacle, the high point of creation had been achieved. God had made mankind. So he was able to rest. All of God's creation was made by God in all its wonderful beauty for mankind to enjoy. 
Um, we've recently had a few birthdays in our household, and as usual, I've planned a party, made cake, thought about birthday presents, all with the kind of goal to be enjoyed by the birthday group. Um, and that is a little bit like God in creation. He created the whole world. Have a look down at verse 3 of chapter 2. We know the refrain that comes at the end of each day, God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth day. Then we had the sixth day, God saw that it was very good, there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Now we've talked about the addition of very, but have a look at day seven. At the end of day seven we get, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. What's missing? What's different? Do you notice that there's no evening and no morning? The seventh day has not come to an end. God is still in the seventh day period. He is still resting. Now we've already said that this rest isn't inactive. God is still at work in his world. But to understand this more, we've got to look at other bits of the Bible to help us to understand how God views rest. Now, in the Old Testament, the Israelites were to equate rest with dwelling in the promised land. Um, and we've been thinking about that a little bit in our sermons on Sundays recently, haven't we, in the book of Numbers. In the New Testament, Jesus tells people to come to him to find rest in Matthew 11, and that he's Lord of the Sabbath in Matthew 12. And in the book of Hebrews, we see that this rest, both the rest of the promised land and the rest that we can find in Jesus, is ultimately a picture of resting with God in the new creation, in perfect relationship with him. Uh, if you heard Simon's sermon when he was introducing numbers to us the other week, he took us to Hebrews chapter 4, because it speaks there of the rest that the Israelites were looking forward to in the promised land. And it should be on your handouts. Hebrews um, chapter 4, 10, sorry, 9 um, to 10. Amber, could you just read that for us? I'm just going to have a drink. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Thank you. So rest is found in salvation through Jesus. And we'll experience that partially in this world, as we have peace with God. But we'll experience it fully in the new creation when we dwell with God in a perfect relationship with free At the end of creation, God enters that rest, that perfect relationship with his people, Adam and Eve. They and all humans are in the image of God, made to be in relationship with him. Mankind is the high point of creation, but relationship with God is the goal. Now, we know that things don't stay perfect. Um, relationship with God, sorry for the spoiler, um, but our perfect relationship with um, God is broken. But remarkably, despite our sin, it's that same offer of rest that is still available to those who trust in Jesus. So right here in Genesis 1, we see God's plan for humankind. And that plan is for God, humans, to live in perfect relationship with him. 
It's in relationship with God that we will be truly satisfied when we're living His way, in His world, under His rule. Seeking to know Him better. And that is when we will be most fully human, because that is why we were made. People spend their lives wrestling with the question of who they are and why they're here. Some people strive um, to achieve something notable, to make their mark. The world around us tells us that we'll be most satisfied when we're most true to ourselves. Well, our Creator God says that He made us for a relationship with Him, and that is where we will be most satisfied and most human.